Hi, it's Terry from No Crumbs Left, and I'm here with a new episode on my podcast, and I'm sitting across a woman that I have known, and I think of as an amazing goddess for over 20 years, knew her when our kids were little, and she's really a pioneer in female empowerment. She's been doing it a long time, and I thought, how perfect to have you. So welcome, Susan Lipschitz. Terry, thank you so much, and it's such a delight to have this um, conversation with you, and you're such an inspiration for all of us. And I was thinking about what you've created and really feeling like it's um, a virtual a virtual place to gather, you know, and to really have a space to celebrate life. That's a word. I was thinking about what word would I connect with Terry, and it was honestly celebration because you, that. yeah, you really offer that for us. So thank you so much for following your heart. Yeah, thank you. It's a beautiful affirmation. So tell me a little bit for our listeners, who are you and what, what do you do? Uh, what I do is um, hopefully empower people in a way that helps restore a sense of um, self-agency, a sense of permission to listen to their hearts, to listen to their truth, and to actualize that in their lives. And so what I found for myself, I do psychotherapy and I've um, for many years, uh, longed to find a way to help people to really tap into a gr much greater depth and a much wider kind of vision. And so that invited us to create more of an integrative uh, platform, meaning that we don't on only look at what is troubling them in their lives or what they feel is out of balance, but we use it as a pathway into remembering elements of themselves. And so what I call maybe the soul, the magic, the sacred, um, the dreamer, like parts of themselves that have begot have gotten detached from their lives. Um, so the work a lot of times is that sense of help us to move into a space that we can um, start to look at what we would really long to do. And out of the longing comes what we desire. And out of the desire comes, do we have the confidence? And can we give ourselves permission? And all of those different ways. And my work is mostly with women. So a lot of the work is not only on an individual level, but it's creating meaningful communities so that women can uh, remember together and remember this through uh, unbroken and reweaving ancestry uh, in a way that empowers them and then a sense of future. So, you know, I am interested in this idea of bringing sacred into my everyday life. And, in you know, in a way, that's really what brings the joy and magic. I'm all about magic. I'm about magic elixirs. And I'm about creating sort of a beautiful life. And part of that for me is about remembering who I am and remembering my mother and where I come from and weaving her in. Even though she's been gone 18 years, I still want her in my every moment. And, you know, I, for myself, I got past that point of like where you don't think you can get up in the morning and you can go forward to just realizing that my mom is sort of with me all of the time and I, and I bring her into everything. So I want to talk a little bit about what is it? I mean, to me, I call it, you know, creating sort of a sacred or soulful life. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, how do how do people do that? Uh, such a good question, and I think that uh, one way, again, I want to use the word, it seems to be my word today with you, is empowerment. And the reason I say that is because I was actually thinking about the word sacred. I use that word so often, but I was um, not really thoughtful about what are the origins or how would we define that word. And so when I was looking it up, it was about something that you hold in greater reverence. Um, and it has a little bit of a religious connotation, but I think in that way that we could say, 
we look outside of ourselves sometimes to say what is what creates a sense of us um, being in our everyday life in a more revered way, in a way that makes us feel not only grateful, but but every moment is precious. So how do we do that and still participate in our everyday life? And I think a lot of times we'll go somewhere, it could be nature, where we're absolutely wowed, and we remember that we're threaded into something so powerful and beautiful. Or if we did believe in or, or walked a certain way where we were involved in a particular religious practice, or we went to someone's experience or home or whatever it might be, right. but we sort of unthread from that. It's like a, you know, we, we disconnect ourselves. And then there becomes a moment of saying, it's really important we weave that reverence into everyday life. Well, how do we do that? Because then we start to see that our actions, our behavior, our self-love, everything that we put out in the world, uh, it has that little ingredient in it, right? That it's it comes from that greater knowing and that uh, more potent kind of understanding. So to me, I think it's in a way, it's a belief, it's a recognition, it's um, but that comes from inside us and our desire to have that point of view throughout. So with that in mind, as you just talked about, when you said, if I if a loved one passes, for example, and we use that with our cherished ancestors, and in your case, your mother, you know, and my mother too, it was that sense of who are we without them on the planet mm -hmm. and really struggling with that. And then we start to say, all right, how do we remember them? And then how do we animate that? And how do we animate that in our own voice and in our own way? And so that starts to be where we're weaving sacred in. So it's not in that sense of loss and in that sense of remembrance, we bring it into our own hands and heart and we start to see what that means. So it might be putting out things that really remind us of them and make us smile or the photos. And it might mean, you know, um, engaging in certain kinds of celebrations that they did and talking with them and really, you know, kind of inviting that sense of experience with us. Yeah, and I think it's, different for so many people. I mean, for so many people, it might take a very traditional route, you yes. know. And I think there is no right and wrong. It's really, but it's about discovering and unearthing for yourself, what are those things that really connect us? Because I think that's what it is, is that we all want, we want that connection. We want something that's more, we're, we're running, we're going, you know, on the way here, I said to Zach, Zach, what do you do in your life that, you know, creates sacredness for you or, you know, that creates some inner peace and you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about that. You know, for me, even working out is something that, you know, it's like I'm going, I'm running, I'm in a million places. When I work out or when I go spinning, there's something about it for me. It, it rebalances me. It brings me back to self. It, it, it just brings my energy back in in a different way. And another one for me is cooking. You know, for me, cooking is a way, you know, I'm not a person in my kitchen, like I don't have a TV in there. I don't like to play music at all when I'm cooking. When I'm cooking at Roy's, we play music because that's his place. But at my place, I don't like to cook and listen to music. I just really like to cook. And it's like, I don't even really love like people talking in the kitchen. When I'm cooking, it's really like an art form for me. And I really have to kind of think about it. And I have to sort of totally be with it. So those are, you know, some ways for me. I mean, of course, I share a lot on the platform about the things for my mom the rocks, the engraved rocks that I brought from my parents' yard. So it's like every day I see those and I go through my garden and th that reminds me of my mother or having my, um, you know, our, the rooster is a signal, a symbol that we have for her. And so I see the rooster napkins or the rooster little dish and that just brings me back, you know, to think of her. 
Um, so there are, you know, all of those ways, uh, you know, at Thanksgiving, I bring out the family dishes and I bring out my mother's china and my mother's silver. And I, for me, it's infused with her love. It, the family's memories, happy, sad, joyful. Yes. They're all in there. So yeah. all of these things for me make, you know, my life sacred. Um, what about what about this idea of symbols? Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Well, um, symbols are are a way in which we can invite and open up a different element of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we get so caught up in the literal, and again, that's that notion. When you, you were even talking about how do we, what is what is a way to animate sacred? And so, when we think about animation, we think of creativity, mm-hmm. and we think of something that we bring into form from our own. Um, inspiration or our different part of our brain, frankly. So when we get very literal, we're told to always speak in literal form and follow the rules and kind of receive information. When we want to start to create information, symbols are really powerful in us choosing a symbol means it's of our own creation. So your symbol of love and my symbol of love might be a little bit different, you know, in that way. So symbolic, when we start to look at that, we also start to see what are the what are is the um, the treasure hunt around what we're really looking for that again animates something without having to use a bunch of words, but it's just more from that place where it's um, it can be enjoyed and appreciated in an art form. So again, that create that's all of that creativity, inspiration, and a personal signature uh, as well. And so I think all, when we see um, symbols too in whether it's like you say, yours, you, that's been an indication of roosters, so of your mom. So you might be home and you're initiating the roosters, but I'll bet if you go somewhere and all of a sudden in a, in kind of a place you'd never expect to see that symbol or even a rooster itself, you'd go, oh my God, mom's here. You know, right? 100%. And that's not the the only one. And I've shared about it before. But before my mom died, I said, let's, I mean, first of all, I said to her at some point, let's say everything that we need to say to one another. So, you know, and I could, of course, you want to cry when you say it so that if we get to a point that we can't say it's too late, let's say it all now when you're feeling really good. So we've said it all and we can say we didn't leave anything unsaid. So that was a tough one and a beautiful one. We decided on that day, I said, let's set up a symbol together. Let's set up a telephone that comes from your world to my world. Because when you go to the place you're going, my hope is is that you can come to the edge of your world and I can come to the edge of my world and that we can find each other. And I said, promise me if there is a way to come to those edges that you will, and I'm going to promise you, and let's always find each other. So she said, okay. I said, "Let's. what's our symbol? And the symbol we decided was ukulele. So, you know, for me, my mother was a ukulele player. She collected ukuleles. Mm-hmm. You know, each she had a lot of ukuleles, so each kid and each grandkid has a ukulele. We all have them hung. Anywhere I go, if it's like, you know, something happens and there's a ukulele player, there's a ukulele talk. I mean, I always know that's my mom. You know, exactly. she's coming through loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another way of, in a way, um, looking for, seeking what is the intangible. That's another part of the sacred, too, is, again, when we start to have this experience, this understanding when you talked about your bridge and my bridge, that the sacred is also the intangible. It's what we cannot see, but we can feel. It's what goes beyond, you know, the regular everyday kind of consciousness into something that reminds us that there is an exalted, uh, a pure uh, part of us. And when we remember that in our everyday life, we also seek it in others. And we kind of just have almost like a, a, you know, a different level of where we're tuning in which makes life, again, a little sweeter. 
You know, I do that, of course, a lot. I mean, with cooking, I, it's interesting. Thanksgiving's coming. And for me, I always make my mother's recipes. Now, here's the thing. My mother actually wasn't a very good cook. She didn't like cooking. She had a lifelong struggle with her weight and with food. And she did not enjoy cooking. I think if my mom had enjoyed it, she would have actually been a good cook. But she just, she had no, she was a musician. So all of her sort of passion went there. And comes to Thanksgiving, though, my family really expects those family recipes. So I make, you know, some very unlike Terry food to make. But I make my mom's corn pudding that's like, it's a Jiffy corn mix, quite literally in right. corn. But I'll, you know, it's delicious. Yeah. And you have it. And if, if I didn't have it, my nephews would just be like, you know. I know. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, so I make my mother's dressing. I think my mother's stuffing, it's the best stuffing in the world. It's a very, very simple stuffing. You know, Roy is like, how in the world can we have this stuffing? We have to have this other kind of stuffing. So, of course, we have the dueling stuffings. We yeah. each have the stuffing. But there are a, a number of recipes that I do, um, really more like Christmas and Thanksgiving. And yeah. I have a book, and I bring them all out, and some of the recipes are in my mom's handwriting. And, you yeah. know, my mother will – it's like a recipe that's it's not even a recipe, you know, where you're like, well, what does she mean – it's like half of the, you know, half of the box, half of the row of the saltines. You know, it's like every year I call my sister, go like, what do you think this means? You know, anyways, very funny. But I think that, um, what do you think about this idea of bringing, you know, your ancestors' recipes in? Oh, I love it so much. And this is something, you know, I do seminars, a lot of seminars with women, and we talk about the life cycle. And one of the really important sort of segments has to do with honoring our ancestors and elders. Um, and really weaving them in. And so talking a lot about, I think women um, have gotten out of the kitchen, which is, again, another reason I love your platform so much, um, for many legitimate reasons. But unfortunately, I think that notion of self-nourishment, of like, like when you talked about cooking, I'll cook dinner for myself several nights a week. And even though it can be kind of takes me a minute to get it together to do, it's not only meditative, it feels self-nurturing to me. And so I think that sense of how we can really embrace this as the reframing of, you know, really being um, the place and, and the origin of creating home and creating love and creating sustenance and creating a center for everyone to find peace and to find that sense of connection. So in that way, I always tell everybody a way you can honor your ancestors. You don't have to do a big ceremony, whatever we would call about that, you know, or, or create something really kind of big. But what they always love is that note, that sense of just like you talked about, the sights, the sounds, the smells of the remembrance. And so even if you don't, even if like there's been a recipe that's been sitting, everybody's been carrying that, that recipe or that uh, cooking uh, you know, book around and it's in a box somewhere and say, so take it out. And like you said, even if it's, if it's got ingredients that you would never cook now, it's that sense of really, as you're doing it, just imagining their hands are working with your hands. And as I you're creating that, that you know, it's so beautiful. And as a matter of fact, when my daughter, I was just talking, my daughter was in town, and we were talking about that. And I said, what recipes would you recreate of mine? And so one of the things, and it was really fun to listen to, and one of those, she was saying, you know, you made a, a marble cake for our birthdays every year. And she goes, matter of fact, I missed mine this year. And I said, you know, it's a box cake. And she said, I couldn't care less. It's what it feels, you know, what it, right. tastes, like. it tastes like. But home. what the interesting sort of hybrid about that cake is that the frosting on that cake was the frosting that my grandmother taught me because I spent hours and hours and hours with her. She was completely my, my mentor and inspiration. And the, and the first thing I wanted to replicate when I started to cook and bake was that from scratch chocolate, um, you know, uh, fudge 
um, frosting. And one of the secrets she had in there was a little bit of coffee, which made it like have that little bit of glaze and that little bit of taste. And she always said to me, don't let anybody know about the coffee. And so here you go, Grandma Lena. I'm sorry, I just let the cat out of the bag. But um, we had a really great conversation about how would what would we remember? And she might want to make things that I don't think are cons- my best recipes. Um, but the other thing I wanted to share that I thought was interesting, I was thinking about that with my mom. My mother was also not, not that she wasn't a great cook, but it was a struggle for her. She wasn't a great baker. But I think one of the issues was her, both her, her mother and her mother-in-law, both my grandmothers, never relinquished their power over the kitchen. They always had everybody over for the major holidays. So my mother remained the daughter. Oh, interesting. You know, yes, and my, yeah. my the, so it was important to me unconsciously that the minute I got like, I don't know, I think it was about 29 or something, 28, I was newly married, I started to claim Thanksgiving. And she was so relieved. But it was it was that, I don't know, I felt like I wanted to be the matriarch very early. You yeah, know? that's so beautiful. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so I was thinking about that. So what she did love, and I think she re- she rejoiced in, were the celebrations. I mean, we had, we used to laugh. Do you remember when you were little, did you have like white kids? shoes. Yes. Mm-hmm. She used to take those and do shamrocks and little Valentine hearts on them. And then we'd wake up in the morning and I just hated them because I'd go to school and feel like such, you know, right. it's like I wanted to hide the shoes. But it was her way of going, I want to celebrate everything yeah, but beautiful. the maternal holidays yeah. because I'm still kind of a kid. So it's interesting how we take this on and start to feel okay about us as women. Right. You know, and, right. and bringing our own signature to that. Right. It's interesting. My, we did all, until my mom died, we did all the holidays at her house. And it wasn't that she was a good cook. Um, and, and there was a point where it was like she really didn't enjoy cooking. And my dad was in a position to be able to afford someone to come in to help. So we would have someone. I would find, you know, a young chef who might come and do it. And uh, then we got to just really enjoy and, you know, be in the holiday together, you know, which was a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting you're talking about this thing about uh, making your own food. I, You know, it's what, something that I'm really passionate about. And I think it's so many young people, they've, they've lost their way in the kitchen. You know, we're all on our phones, me probably the most. But the reality is getting in there, and I think there's something about going to the farmer's market, yes. you know, meeting the farmers and growing, touching your food, being involved in doing it. I recently was visiting my daughter, and my son's vegan, and we went out for all of these lovely vegan meals. But you know, I, after like three days, it was like, I just, I really have to make something. We went to the farmer's market and I got, you know, um, I got some wonderful greens and mushrooms and I came home and taught Lucy and Cece how to put together very quickly, you know, a, a magnificent lunch from the farmer's market. And it was just such soul food, so delicious, you know, and thinking about this thing about your daughter, Lucy always was under my shadow in cooking and had no interest in it. I mean, Patrick always was interested he was he, had a, he was a natural cook. Lucy was more interested in baking. Lucy was never interested. Now she's on her own, and she is for the very very first time discovering cooking. And I it's it's so joyful for me. I mean, she's doing recipes from the blog, and then she's giving me feedback, you know. And it's like, oh, mom, you didn't say this quite the right way. You've got this word in there, which I welcome because it's like I'm anything. I'm not a writer actually, just a person who likes to talk about food. So it's like someone edit the blog, please, and give me the feedback. I'm delighted. Anyway, so we started this series called Let's Go Lucy, and it's for beginning cooks. And I a lot of the brand it. work and stuff I'm doing, I'm really looping in these kind of beginning recipes. And mm-hmm. then I do them, and then Lucy's doing them, and then she's doing things over on hers. And it's um, it's so much fun. And I, I love this thing you said because I, I don't want her to be under my shadow. I mean, I want her to discover her own thing, you know, because we don't own cooking for the family. None of us do. And it's actually very exciting to see the other generation's 
claiming it, you know, and doing it. And she said the other day, the weirdest thing is happening, Mom. I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy cooking. And I realized, like, you know, it's 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 not as hard as you think. And, and she's like, I think we should start a YouTube series, the two of us together, because there's all this stuff. Like, people, they don't know how to cut an onion. Definitely. They don't understand how to do this. She goes, could we do this together? I mean, now we're on two different coasts, so I don't right. know how that works. but. I love the idea. I know. And my older daughter is an amazing cook. And uh, she'll, when she, my kids are on, on both coasts too, but um, she'll come home and really create these great meals. Or when I visit her, uh, she'll say, I'm making you dinner. And it's exquisite. She's already just skyrocketed past me. And it's just beautiful. It's so wonderful to share it. I agree with you completely. Now, I know you lead these wonderful women's groups, so just tell me a little bit about that, what you do, and people might be interested to know, to know about it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, well, w- once a year, I try to do a retreat, and the retreat might have a different sort of character to it, a different flavor. I definitely feel guided, um, and I, I sit with it, and I wonder, where where can we go? Where are, Where is it going to be a space that we can all come together and really step outside of our everyday lives and really have a potency? of doing some personal work, and, and whether it's grief work or a pocket of trauma or something that we need to just kind of more fully understand. Something even and, you want to, in your own life, like you're maybe stuck with something and you yeah. just kind of want to clear it. So it's right. a workshop or something that kind of brings you to the next place. Exactly. And also have the courage to, to, to let ourselves go a little bit further, like we talked about, in that sense of dreaming big for ourselves, whatever that might mean. And more than anything, celebrating the beauty. That's so important to me, is that we all really remember and understand um, the, the claiming the identity of beauty of who we are from a, a sense of a feeling set state of, you know, felt understanding and mirror that for one another with generous listening and um, self-awareness. Uh, and so I find that when we talk about sacred, we talk about nature and nature that's really beautiful also inspires us to remember we're part of nature and nature is sacred and we are. So that whole kind of thing. So um, for the last several years, we've been doing week-long retreats and they've been out of the country. And that's hard for a lot of women financially as well as just getting time off. So this year we're doing a domestic trip um, in Santa Fe, which is very inspiring, in the spring. And we're going to be doing a Mother's Day excuse me, Mother's Day weekend. And I'm calling it uh, the power of the circle, but also remothering ourselves. Because no matter um, our experience with our mothers, which is very textured, you've had such a beautiful relationship with your mom. And um, many, many women have had a very challenging because right. I think mothers haven't been nurtured. So it, it becomes a little hard for mothers. And so even if we've had a great you know, experience with our mother, I think more than that, we're really looking for a sense of how do we continue to remother ourselves, right? We have to. We have to. And in our own version, but even if they're around, I think it's too much to ask of one person. Right. We need the, you know, we need that community. Um, And so in that way, when we start to really understand and open up, so we, you know, there's different inspired practices that I've learned from working with wisdom keepers across the world uh, that I feel so blessed to have had that experience with. And then we all learn from each other. So this year we're doing it on Mother's Day weekend uh, in Santa Fe. So I'm really excited about that. I love this. I mean, I, this idea of mothering is, of course, important to me. I mean, first of all, my mother was, you know, in many ways, the most important person in my life, you know, and um, certainly, you know, before I had kids. Um, but she's the foundations, you know, sort of for who I am. And so she's gone 18 years, and yet mother is very sacred for me. So I'm always, you know, ushering new things in. I'm always going toward, how do I find that? I find that because I have a great circle of women. You know, I have women who work for me, who love me and make me tea and and just are, they, they mother me. And I love that, you know, and I have sisters and I have dear friends 
and you know, there are women that mother me that are younger than me. And they're, you know, my mother has a dear friend who's, um, was her best friend who's, you know, with us. And, you know, I love, I love that I have her, but it's like, you know, I was lucky because I had an amazing mother. So I had that model, but here's the reality to be a great mother or to have great mothering, it's not a prerequisite, you right, know. Right. We are born into the families we're born in, and some of us, we've got, got better luck than others. But I think it's incumbent upon us to go, you've got to find that, and you've got to seek it out. And I and I absolutely, like, it's a mission for me. And it's just, it's with me all the time. And I'm always sort of searching for that. Uh, I love women. I love being around women. Um, I love, you know, having dear friends. But I think having that, it's like if you don't have it, go out absolutely today and start figuring out the way that you're going to do that and be, uh, do it with forceful passion. I mean, go for it absolutely. And you know, to me, yes, a hundred percent, thousand percent, yes. Um, one of the things I would say is bringing us full circle back into what is sacred. Um, that that's been something that I've really felt very called to reanimate um, my own journey and my own awakening of of just everything blasting open for me. Uh, really had to do with having my kids and literally birthing them, and I was not somebody that was looking for that in my life. It it came to they came to me, and so that was very profound for me. So then I saw that a lot of my path was to really oh, reanimate this notion of the mother archetype because I think we did get too trapped in it as a literal sense of our mothers, and this has been a real wound for all of us in the collective. But to open it up and to say, how would we define mother? What is our own sense of nurturing? To put it in a very different way. And so when I ask women to do that, I have them do that like when they're little kids, when they're school age, when they're teenagers. And when I say, what create, what kind of, what would you say was nurturing or nourishing for you in that way? For example, when you're a teenager, most women will say music because they wanted to be free. They didn't want to be nurtured in that way. They found it smothering. So they found that a space that inspired them was music. So that's sort of interesting. You know, if we just look at it in longevity in a really different way. And one of the first images that I had um, when I was really thinking about mother, um, I was raised Jewish, so I never would have had an image of the Divine Mother, uh, the Virgin Guadalupe, and she and came to me sort of a meditation. And so it was a symbol like you talked about. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And I started to see that that notion of a cosmic mother, a divine mother, symbols that were all over, that I started to look at them and say, wow, when I start to look at them without of a definition mm-hmm. that in, maybe I felt estranged from because it was another religion or another culture, and I started to open up around the world, you know, or, right. or anywhere and yeah. say, this is a different aspect of the mother. So the mother can be fierce, like, right, when we lift the cars because our kid right, is underneath right. them or somebody, like, you know, touches our kid. Forget about it. Or mothers can be act- activists. Mothers can be nurturers. Mothers can be lovers. Mothers can be protectors. So you start to open up this, this so many different uh, aspects of how mothers animate. It's a verb. To right. love is a verb. Right. So when we start to open up to that, we see that we don't have to be, have birth to kid. A lot of women are choosing not to have children for lots of reasons, but they love their plants and they love their animals and they love their work. And so, you know, love the planet. And so I see that as, as love as a verb is to mother. And so it opens it all up. And like you say, when we go for it, we start to see, I don't have to be afraid of um, a certain box that I put myself in that I will lose from taking on being a mother. Mm -hmm. It's something that's intrinsically inside of ourselves that we just allow to come forward and rename it. And then it's like, it's really empowering and it really opens up not only to give, but to receive it. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. 
I've always really resonated with Kuan Yin. There's something yes. about Kuan Yin, and I have some statues, and a friend brought something, and that just for me is a real symbol, you know, of mothering and transformation. So tell me a little bit about the practice of, you know, like meditation or how that, you know, I, I'm going to get there. That's in my uh, in my next phase, <laughs> not my superpower. But talk a little bit about that. About um, beginning well, a meditation you, practice, you mean? Well, or? you're saying that you this came to you in a meditation. Yeah, so yeah. Is that a way, is, is quieting the mind a way to bring sacred into your life? Definitely. But what I would say with that is that most of us um, have difficulty quieting our mind because we're taught to multitask. We're taught to be sharp. We're taught to be listening and thinking. And to be honest, if we've had a little bit of trauma in our lives, we're also, uh, a little, we're always kind of watching our world a little bit around us. So that notion of empty your mind and quiet the mind, we come from the mind to do that. And so we always feel like we're, we're kind of losing or failing at that notion. So what I really encourage people to do is use your breath. It's free. And all we have to do, every breath, every inhalation is a new beginning. So if we just go, oh, I'm going to slow my breath and count four in, count four out, we're starting to breathe you know, in a much slower, regulated way. That naturally overrides the mind when we count and starts to just bring us into our natural rhythms. But what I will encourage, it's like my cheat sheet with meditation, is I encourage everybody to think about a place that they find the most beautiful place that they've ever been. And it could be your backyard, it could be a place, you know, it could be our lake, it could be anywhere you are in the world, right? Um, The minute they do that, the mind is being invited to remember. So we're collaborating. We're saying, mind, remind me of the place, sights, sounds, smells, fragrances. So then we're getting the mind to collaborate us because it has to open the file. Mm -hmm. But while we're doing that, the whole body is having a body memory. So if I said to you conversely, um, let's talk about something that really freaks you out, that really scares you, we're going to get body tension. Mm-hmm. Because, right, the body right. remembers that. So conversely, if I say to you, Terry, what's a place that really opens you up and makes you feel at peace and in awe, and you think of that, I would say within 30 seconds, it's come to you in some way, mm-hmm. and your whole body's calmed down. Oh, I mean, just when you said the you know, tense up part, I thought of the thing that scares me, and I was like completely, you know, yeah. nearly panicking. And then when you said go to the relaxing place, you know, that place, it was like, oh, I just immediately felt right. this. Really so when you down. yes, when you have that felt experience and you mm-hmm. start to breathe there and you let it come to you and then you just start to just go deeper in the five senses of that place and then you just let yourself sort of be in that place you're meditating. I love that. Okay, you just okay, I, it's a win for me. Isn't it a win? It's a win for me too. Mm-hmm. I've been meditating for 25 years and I call it a practice. Some days I can really go into that space and of just ease, quiet, like I can allow that sense of almost like, you know, when you're almost asleep and you have that place where you're getting images totally. and you're just totally yeah. there or the colors. And then you might get that aha. Mo- you might. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times we're planting seeds. So I might meditate or just have the quiet moment. And then I'm back out in my world. But because I'm in my opened up, so my everyday is now sacred. In other words, it's animated for those bridging out into um, the metaphysical, or we might just say that space where the intangible or the mystical is, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I start to get the signs. And then I almost feel like I've been talking to whatever we call pure source love. And then it starts to go, oh, she's listening. I can just sort of have that dance with you. So that's why I say it's like a treasure hunt, you know, when we're getting the signs. I love that. I used to have something I did with my kids, which was there was that book and movie, Little Bear. There was this little bear. Everyone loved Little Bear so much. 
And if anyone has babies, you want to get that book, Little Bear. <laughs> it's so amazing. But I used to say to my kids, like, my kids couldn't sleep. It would be like we go out on this boat, and it's this canoe in very shallow water. So there could be nothing in the water that is it's really warm, and there's nothing in the water that's harmful. And then we get to the island, and there is this jar of honey, and there is this bread, and there is this, like, butter, and it's warm but not too warm. And, and there's this beautiful, uh, these lays, and we pick up the flowers, and we make beautiful lays for ourselves. And then there are hammocks, and we can go to the hammocks, and it's just like there's nothing to worry about. There are no issues. It is so peaceful. My kids loved it. But when I think about the place, and I could almost like tear up when I think about it, that I feel that way, it's totally that moment of telling yes. my kids. You know, that sort of that beautiful moment. I don't know if they remember it the way that I do. I'm sure they do. My, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really loving this moment is because I did the same thing. When my daughters couldn't sleep, I would tell them these stories. Except we would do a magic carpet. And oh, we would that. fly right. to the place, and then we would journey to it that way. And we still talk about that. And I love they that. really loved that. Yeah. Stephen did. Stephen, Patrick and Lucy's dad, he was such a great storyteller. And he would tell the kids, and they would go on the magic carpet. And Patrick and Lucy had this, each had this special stuffed animal, different ones. And they would be, uh, they would attend, and they would come to life, and they would talk, and they were, I mean, he was always so much better at, like, storytelling. I had the one. I had just uh, Little Bear, but he had all these wonderful and magical ones. So what about this idea of creating some place in your, in your, in your own personal space where you might have a sim symbols? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I really encourage everybody to have a, a space in their home, and it could be, you probably have it, but it's just not been named that way, that what we would call, for lack of a better word, holds the sacred for them. And so what I encourage everyone to do is, you know, I'll say to them, you know, when you've been out in nature, or you've been someplace that you really love, generally we, we feel called to sort of pick something up and bring it back. So it might be, you know, a, a, say a rock that we found or a piece of driftwood or it might be a beautiful photo of something or a candle or something like that. And we have it all over our house and it comforts us or it helps calm us or we feel it's beautiful. And to say, well, let's go beyond something that's nostalgic. And let's go a little bit beyond something that's simply attractive and something that reminds us or triggers or kind of just awakens that sense that it's been our, remember, we've chosen it. So it's something unique for us. So somebody might bring it to us, but it might not resonate, but it might. And we just say, what if we put all of those pieces, and it might be just four or five or it might be one, that we, we just you know, put on a coffee table or a bookend, or it might be even a shelf, or it might be a shadow box. And we place it there with love and reverence. In other words, to say, I'm placing this here to regard and remind me of the sacred or the uh, exalted or something that just always awakens and keeps alive for me, that I'm more than this moment and that there's something really soulful and really... Um, intrinsically lovable about me. I want to remember it. And so we create that in our home. We could put a cloth that means something. You talked about symbols. Mm -hmm. It might be of our travels. It might be of our family. But I push everybody to say, not only nostalgic, because that almost makes us sad and brings us to the past, but something that we really revere is almost timeless, mm -hmm. that it just makes us feel, it remembers and, rem and, and sort of holds for us a place of ourselves in perfect balance. Some of it can change, and some of it can be unique to us in this moment. And some people might call it, you know, whether it's an altar or in that language, which is, is really just a place that holds something. Um, and it's a sacred spot. 
And so that is not, and I always tell everybody, be a little careful, especially if you've got a cat, because they're going to go right for it, and it's going to be rolling all around the place. So if you've got little kids or you've got animals, you can even put it in a sacred box that you can get at a place, and then you open it up when you want to meditate or you want to think that way, you know? Or a shadow box, you can put it up on your wall, and it's three-dimensional, but it's small. Right, so it's somewhere you set it up and you know and you you, intentionally. Intentional, that's the most important most important piece. And, and like I said, some of the symbols can change. Yes. Some of those pieces will always be there. And if you light a candle, it might be a moment where you're making it even more alive. Right. I love and that. And then you blow it out and I it's okay. That. It's I done for that. the day. I have a little note next to my bed. It's something my mom wrote me literally on the back of a receipt. She wrote in black pen or a felt tip, shine, three exclamation oh. points. And I just, it's like, that's everything for me. It's like shine, you know, and that was my mom. She was just always they my parents believed in us so much and just basically said you can go out there and do anything and you know shine shine your light and it's yeah you know my daughter's named lucy which is about shining the light yeah um and uh you know lucy and patrick are definitely those lights for me so in closing what is what haven't i asked you that i should have no shoulds. Okay, I love that there's no shoulds. That's Where do people find you? Because I know you do groups, and I know you've had this moon circle, and I know you've got your workshops. So where do people find you? And you're an, an amazing therapist, and in a very kind of non-traditional way. Yes, yes, thank you Everyone so much. Everyone I know has seen you for some period of time, some couples, some individual people, but you are so highly revered. People do a lot of transformation, and I think people come to you because they're ready to do transformation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how do people find you? Absolutely. Because you not only do it here, but you can you can do it. I mean, I have a health coach, and she's in New York. I've never met her. So we exactly. can really do these things via FaceTime, Isn't right? that fun? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, thank you so much. So the easiest way would be uh, either my website, everydaymedicinewoman.com, or you can email me at susan at everydaymedicinewoman.com. I also try to keep up to date with my Facebook page, uh, Everyday Medicine Woman, or it. Susan on Instagram. And uh, Susan Lipschutz on Instagram. Susan, would God knows where it would take you. Um, but, uh, yes, I do individual. Uh, when people are in Chicago, I do that locally. I have an office. But through the beautiful uh, ability through Skype, uh, or through FaceTime, but Skype's a little easier, especially when you're further away. Um, we, I have uh, individual consultations, and I also use different tools. So we do integrative psychotherapy to, like you say, when someone's really ready to transform. Right. We do some really beautiful right. work, and it and could I be think, one session, right. or it could be. That's the thing. I think I know people have gone to you for one or two or three, and. It's not like, you know, you're committing to a life of psychotherapy. No, no, not at all. But it's deep and it's it can be fast. And I also use uh, what I call evolutionary tools to just open ourselves up. And that can be astrology or different specific kind of soul readings. So um, we we really can tap in and um, let the individual kind of get a fresh experience of themselves in a much different way. So it's a beautiful uh, kind of collaboration. And I also, I've been collaborating with someone um, who uh, offers the opportunity to do, I offer, uh, it's a monthly uh, podcast, and it's called Moonwise. And it's a lunar, new moon lunar podcast, and we go do the whole month, and it's really kind of fun. I love that. I want to give you a little something. Oh, my gosh. You're getting a personalized No Crumbs Left apron. It's Uh, my thank you to... Folks that do podcasts. Thank you so much. I'm going to put this on in Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful you. I wish everyone yes. could see it. It's really, it's embroidered. It's, and it's embroidered it's and it's got one. my name on it. Yes. And I'm so grateful yes. for this opportunity to share space with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming. Long time love you. Love you. I bow to the light in you. Oh, and right back at you, sister.
That's it for today. Definitely come visit me over at No Crumbs Left on Instagram, Facebook, or my blog. Have a great day, everybody.